Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast. And for 10 years, the real nerds have been seeing a movie and podcasting our experience to the world. This week, we saw Promising Young Woman. Stay tuned to the end of the episode, where we will tell you if you should see the film, play the trailer, and then spoil the film. We also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, stuff we've been watching throughout the week, nerd stuff. You know, it's what we do. It's in our name. Yeah. We're real, we're nerds, get used to it. We like to party. (laughs) Wait, 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 we can't all want to party, Brian. (laughs) Everybody's weak good? Oh, you know, (laughs) just staying as happy as one could possibly stay. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) That happened this week. Yep. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) You just get to a point where you go, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I spent the time trying to process it in my own way by writing a radio script um, that came off of an idea from Film Club. So uh, the good news is I cranked out seven pages in a week, which is abnormal for me. So I uh, there was a positive out of the week for me. but Nice. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who know, are talking about, um, you know, terrorists decided to raid the Capitol incited by the president of the United States, yep. which even though it's 2021, it seems kind of par for course for 2020. This is the uh, extended director's cut of 2020. Apparently. Fuck. Isn't yeah, it weird that he was impeached not even a year ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's, I don't know anymore. Yeah. No, it's, I um, just, it's disappointing to say the to say the absolute least, <laughs> um, and terrifying and shocking and horrifying all at once. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, hopefully we can distract you a little bit from that. Um, yeah, yeah. I finally picked up uh, Smash Brothers, but <laughs> I haven't even put it in my Switch yet. So, looking to play some video games this week at some point. I've got a question, Ryan, for you, being yeah. the gamer that you are. How many more? How many characters are there at this point in Smash Brothers? Dude, like, I don't know. I know it's over seventy. That's insane. I remember when I played the N sixty four, and it was only like the I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was not that many. Um, yeah, I, I also Brad, remember having to beat a glove. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Hey, Brad, um, You've had it for a while. This game's like three years old. Do you, have you got any of the DL characters? DL? DLC yeah. characters? Uh, I think I 
unlock two, if that's what you mean. Oh, no, like purchase them to put in the game. Oh, no, I didn't do that. I didn't even know there was more to unlock in the game. Because don't, don't you start with 70 or do you not start with all the characters? Oh, you start with way less than that. Like a bare minimum of, I think, like, I don't know, 16, 8. Oh, wow. Yeah, like you have to unlock a lot of stuff. And like I said, I've only done two or three. I haven't played it that much since I got it. But yeah, I was I was surprised. Like right off the bat, you it's kind of like starting out in the past games. But I think what you're talking about is like Sephiroth and stuff or Cloud. Yeah. I think those, yeah, those are... I mean, you, you can either unlock them by playing the game, I think, mm-hmm. or you can just straight out buy them, so... Yeah, that's uh, silly. But yeah, I think you after can... the 16 or 8 that um, I think you start with, I think there's like 60 or something you can get up to. Yeah, I, I'm pretty... I can't remember the back of the game. I think it was like 70 characters and 100 stages or something. Yeah, there's a lot of stages, too. But I wonder how many are variants of just, you know other characters. I mean, how many links are there and Mario's and yeah, I remember that was, that was a big one in the, the early ones they had, you know, Mario and metal Mario and things like that. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of them are just the same stage mechanics, but just different skins. Yeah. It, but that's it's, so, fine. it's so chaotic. You'll probably never notice. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I always think it's funny though. Toad has never been a character in the game. Like you can never, pick him to fight he's always a shield for peach but <laughs> never um yeah, yeah it's surprised by now yeah they haven't added him yeah it's one of those things that my in-laws and my boss gave me money for christmas and i was like oh you know what i haven't got smash brothers i'm gonna get it toad got his own game he's he a treasure yeah. <laughs> he does and it's pretty great <laughs> But you don't realize how much freaking um, like memory those little cards have. I was reading a a blog online, and they said that you could fit every single N sixty four game into one game card for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, huh. it's crazy. I I have I think twenty something like modern games right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my saves of like, I've only filled up a, like I'm right now I'm maxed to a 64 gig card. So, wow. um, you know, there's, they even have like a 400 gig card out there, um, mm. which I'll never fill up. So yeah, like it, so, I think the lifespan of my switch 64, maybe 128 is the most I'll use. So you've used all the memory that's actually on the Switch? You have a an S card now? Oh, no. Um, I keep the... As much as I can, I keep the Switch itself, like the, mm-hmm. the space on there off, because the more you use up, the more less space system resources has to use that space. Mm-hmm. So if you, like, if you get it close to maxed out, you'll, like, I think it'll start hurting the Switch operations. So I just gotcha. save all the games onto a separate card on there. Gotcha. And that's the 64 I'm I've maxed out now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think there's one or two like you know megabyte sized downloads of like I don't know Jackbox Party or something that are actually on yeah. the equipment itself, but it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's always crazy because you know something like The Last of Us Part Two that I have, is yeah, literally has a disc that you have to preload 
the game before you put that disc in. And I think it takes up like a hundred gigs on my PlayStation. Yeah, it's nuts. I think the biggest switch file I have is Rocket League and Mortal Kombat eleven. Actually I think Mortal Kombat's the largest. It's like thirty something gigs. So hmm. out of the sixty four I have, it's taken up half of it. How many gigs wow. how many gigs does a does a typical system hold? I think the switch itself holds sixty four. Okay. Something or 32. Like that. Yeah, I don't rem- yeah, Maybe I don't 32. Remember. Does PS4 hold, Ryan? Uh, well, I mean, mine's 500. Okay. But um, I have a one terabyte extended hard drive on it. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because okay. I have so many games for it now, and every game's at least 50 gigs. Right. And so. you're and you're gonna have to toss it out out the door, window anyway because the PS5's coming out, and you 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 need that in your life, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. Well. Uh, it's backwards compatible with the PS4, so... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Or something only like 100 games aren't. And so when I get my PS5, if I ever get one, who knows? <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll transfer all the stuff over to, to it, which I heard takes, like, all day. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then when I do that, then... You know? Yeah. You guys uh-huh. let me know if you want a PS4. I I I might raise my hand for that only because like if I don't end up getting a PS5 like I need to I need to get back into gaming somehow and maybe I just need to be kicked around a little bit. I had well we'll talk about it later but I got finally got kicked into something very positive. So <laughs> um hey, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to find a PS4 in stores <laughs> like I think Sony said they're not making anymore. So uh... Maybe, and I know they've been hard to find for a while. I, I mean, all video game systems, because since coronavirus, everyone's just like, you know what? I'm going to buy a console. I'm going to just play games. Yeah. Which is okay, too. Yep. I, I read a sign that says uh, the PS5 and Xbox, whatever they're on, um, you can't get it in stores anymore. Like, you have to order online. Yeah. I mean, I have my alerts set up for Target and Best Buy. So we'll see. But I haven't even like I haven't got like a notification saying, "Hey, they're in stock," and had a chance to not get one. I don't think they've been in stock, and if they have been, I don't even know. Yeah, you probably won't because uh, people use those bots to just buy them all up. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, eventually there'll be enough where I'll be able to get one. I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars on one because that's stupid. Eventually, they'll be saturated. Yep. For a thousand dollars, you could probably buy most of Kino Lober stock, or you know, yeah. like, <laughs> just be like, "Give me, give it all to me." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I guess we can't go around town, so that'll just be our "Hey, we play video games too" segment. Except for Zach, he doesn't play. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing really. I mean, there's there's movie movie theaters are back in operation, but not um, specialty stuff necessarily. Um, except I, I guess Alamo doing retro screenings counts technically. Like they are showing Back to the Futures and um, uh, Superman seventy eight Goonies. Superman, yeah, so so there's. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys too if you'd be interested in renting out one. 
and then just inviting our friends and stuff so we all can hang out. What would we What would we show? There's somebody to choose from, or well, not, yeah, it not depends on what we're showing. I thought it'd be yeah. awesome to do a uh, Avengers: Infinity War Endgame double feature. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I was reading the website. I think you can bring in Blu-rays. Yeah, and the then show them. Yeah, and then um, you have to pay a hundred and fifty dollar deposit. I think for the food, okay. and then you then you give everybody your secret code or something, and then they can buy tickets. So the, the your friends, you have to buy the tickets separately, but the hundred and fifty dollars reserves food and then if you don't get 150 dollars worth of food then they keep whatever you don't spend okay all right all right okay. so, so it's, it's like 300 bucks yeah roughly yeah no it's the 150 dollars is like a food credit uh, i think no i heard I, it's like that is like no matter what like you, you're paying 150 dollars for food and then your guests, if they buy food, then you like they save you on your cost. So like at oh. the end of the day, if like you know, if you if you if they only buy like fifty dollars worth of food, you're still mm-hmm. paying Alamo a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. So the hundred and fifty reserves the theater and they have to get hundred and fifty dollars worth of food. Yeah, there's like, it's 150 or something just to rent the theater itself and show the movie, and then there's a separate 150 for food, so it's at like 300 bucks. But if well, we I get th- enough people, I think that wouldn't be that hard because everything's you know 14. dollars <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's something that I'd be willing to cautiously throw my money to the wind on just to have that kind of experience with you guys again. So, well, as much as I love the Alamo, uh, Century has the best deal. I think it's 100 bucks for like that's it hmm. so i don't know i was just thinking about it i, I, I think it's a should, fun idea i think we like throughout the year we should try different things like um you know like a halloween like around october do like a friday the 13th halloween thing um yeah we can i know stuff. i know that i was i i I was mulling around the idea of doing one of those bug screenings for my birthday before covid hit but then now, if I if they allow us to bring Blu-rays in, I'd love to do something like that around February or March, and like eat the cost just to have you guys come down and watch something that I pick. But I don't know what I would pick. So I think we're, if we're at the at the Alamo, it should be like a Realtors Presents thing where we can like where we pick stuff that they're not going to program without us. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, like so, like Friday the Thirteenth Part Four or Part Six, which they never program. Um, or uh, Batman, like a, a Batman movie that they never reshow, like Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, Batman sixty six. That yeah, see Batman sixty six, which um I got to rewatch for you and I, but I'm trying to think of like other like g- like oof, you know Suburban like Commando. Suburban Commando, that'd be interesting. I'd like, uh, I'd like to not. I mean, I'd love to see. The, there's a couple of Hitchcock films that I saw in the in my time that I would love to watch on a big screen, like Shadow of a Doubt. Um, modern wise, though, I'd love to see First Contact on a big screen. And I know they show it, but I haven't seen it there yet. Um, and then, 
Yeah, or even undiscovered undiscovered country, which they rarely show. I mean, I've seen it there. They did it. Yeah. Yeah, but they but they don't do it like super often. Like if they're going to show a, show a Star Trek movie, they're showing Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um, no, or Voyage it's... Voyage Home even. Yeah, Voyage Home. Like any of the odd number ones, don't get screened a lot. Um, Who wants to watch the Final Frontier? Cybok for life. <laughs> if they had a marathon of those movies, I would definitely yeah watch them oh god just if they could do that like they did with the nightmare on elm street franchise oh you know like would be cool for ryan is to do all the friday the 13th movies we'd be there all day but it would be fun like the thing the the thing with that marathon yeah the thing that they did with that marathon though for nightmare was that at the end you got a mondo patch of a, a, a horror a, a horror trick from the movie that they never got to do which is slitting your eyelids open and it's a cool looking patch but um beyond that it was like quick because that it only has like seven movies in the whole deal so um and then yeah don't know do a last action hero celebration what's the on 4k Speaking of which, there is there's some big news in the news because of you guys. I'm gonna assume. <laughs> <laughs> Let's unspool the real news. It's real news. I'm gonna start with the greatest news of the week, which is. Um, Digital Bits released a bunch of lineup things that they're that are going to be released on 4K, and amongst them is the Last Action Hero 4K. Um, it did not mention the Real Nerds podcast, so clearly Digital Bits has something against us. But we know that we are the ones who uh, successfully campaigned for that, and I should be specifically saying Ryan and Brad are the ones who specifically uh, got got the Last Action Hero 4K to the people of this great land so i congratulate you two from afar we did it guys did it you did it (laughs) we affected real change in this world yes yep (laughs) well i mean the real change would be if they put special features on it (laughs) yeah well there's already a commentary available online at (laughs) realnerdspodcast.com which has all the information and appreciation for this movie that you need on the blu-ray 4k disc so yeah i know i was thinking did they don't do they release very usually 4ks though they do add features or something i don't remember many 4ks are just featureless you know what i mean well they start they started off featureless but then they started gaining it i started i the first time i saw it was on the black clansman one because i was like oh the special features are on here now okay and then i mean just like even if with they put a blu-ray with it they usually just don't I mean, I would take even if they just re- did a new scan and updated the look of it, would be mm-hmm. something. Right. Oh, you're talking about like would they like just do a movie only version of it? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, if there are special features available now, they might try to stick them in as long as they already have the rights to show interviews and mention people, blah blah blah, legal legalese. Like then, yeah, they should be able to do some features on it. But if not, I would hope that they actually transfer the movie correctly. So, but here's here's hoping. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I mean, they'd have to obviously upgrade the scan of it for it because, 
it's going to be on 4K unless they want to put a really shitty one out. And I don't know, it might be because they're also releasing Snatch and a couple other uh, Columbia pictures. So I wonder if they're going to do a Columbia Volume 2. Hmm, maybe. We'll see. We'll have to see. Trying to think of what else Columbia could put out. But it's interesting, too, because I went on the forum for uh, Blu-ray.com, and they said that a lot of the dudes on there said that they wrote in Last Action Hero for <laughs> the the survey. Okay. So right. it, it must be a highly requested movie in 4K. Well, it was only highly requested because we... We, we all took the initiative this year during COVID to <laughs> make a fuss about it online. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we found a guest, we found a guest for our episode on it because of that, that Twitter campaign. So. You know what? That's right. So maybe we are, maybe we're bigger than we think. We'll get special thanks on the, in the credits. Arnold Schwarzenegger just pops up on screen and goes like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I have to thank Ryan Frost. <laughs> And Brad Haig for all they did. Uh, Zach, I really want you to work on your Schwarzenegger impression. Okay? I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do Schwarzenegger well when I'm laughing at my to myself, just thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger calling you guys out because it's both hilarious and I'm like that would be adorable. <laughs> also, I don't think I could do a Schwarzenegger really. I don't know. I'm not good at it. you. Could I know you could do it. I know you could do him and St- I can t- kind of do Stallone. Um. Yeah, we got to thank their illness for all that they did to get this movie out to our guests. Um, tell me, Arnold, where should I get my ass to? To Mars, of course. <laughs> uh, I want to have fun with this all night. <laughs> Anyways, what else? What other news has dropped? Ryan, where should I go if I want to live? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, there is some other news. Um, so as we all know, Dexter is getting revived um, because they had to um, correct what they did wrong the last time. And the main villain will be Clancy Brown. And my response to that is, good, that should have happened years ago. Uh, but yeah, looks like he will be the primary villain uh, in uh, the Dexter revival, um, which I don't I mean, unless Clancy Brown's been on television, I guess he's been on Billions uh, recently. But uh, the the last TV thing that I remember watching him in uh, was Carnival, which is a show that I wish would have gotten more seasons. But HBO didn't want to pay money for good things. Uh, So unless it was uh, The Sopranos or The Wire. So uh, anyway, uh, this month, YouTube will be providing a bunch of Universal Monster movies for free. Uh, so you will be able to get, starting on January 15th, Dracula and the Mummy. Uh, and then January 16th, you'll get Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. And then on January 17th, uh, you will get uh, The Invisible Man, The Wolf Man, and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Each of the titles will be available to view for free on YouTube for one week. Uh, so yeah, if you've never seen a Universal Monster movie, uh, now you have no excuses. Um, so yeah. Um, and uh, this is coming courtesy of a uh, uh, a YouTube channel based out of the UK, but it looks like it's going to extend outward. So, yeah, that's really cool. If you haven't watched The Invisible Man from 1933, you should. Ryan and I have talked about it. It's the most underrated and underestimated of the Universal Monsters, which is probably why they remade it into an awesome movie from last year. 
Um, and then this is news that I didn't know was even happening. Um, but I'm glad that the development happened on it that it did. Um, does anybody here remember Spamalot? Uh, Monty Python's Spamalot, the musical uh, by Eric Idle based on Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Did anybody here see it when it came to the Buell Theater at all? No. No? I did. My dad took me. I really love this show. Uh, and it appears that they were uh, in development at 20th Century Fox for a feature film adaptation of it. Um, but as we all know, Fox is no longer a thing. Uh, and instead, it is uh, a Disney thing. And now Monty Python um, Spamalot has been moved over to Paramount Pictures, which I'm happy about because it's nothing really against 20th Century Studios at this point. I just don't I want Spamalot to be able to remain as uh, inappropriate and hilarious as it ought to be. And I don't want anything sanitized on it if possible. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I would also love to see who they'd get to play the main roles. Cause Tim Curry played the role on Broadway and obviously Timmy, Tim Curry is not doing so hot these days. Um, but uh, yeah, it will we'll be on the lookout for Spamalot coming from Paramount Pictures. Um, we got some breaking news today that Deadpool 3 will be part of the MCU. Um, in other news, duh. Uh, yeah, it, it appears that the movie will be rated R within the MCU, which has not happened yet. Um, uh, d- does anybody really care? Uh, I don't really, but that's because I don't, I'm not a kid, so... Uh, uh, you mean care that the movie's coming out or that it's rated R? That it's going to be rated R but set in the MCU. No, well, no. I mean, I think if you're going to keep the franchise going, you can't neuter it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it made, what, what, I don't know, $800 million. It'll be all right. Yeah. So, all right. Cool. Well, anyway, Deadpool 3 coming to the MCU very, very soon. Um, I think this is news that we'll all care about in some form or fashion because we're all Nick and Knight children and probably saw I Love Lucy in some form or fashion in the, in those Nick and Knight days. Um, but there's going to be a there's a there's a bunch of biopics running around regarding Lucille Ball. One has Kate Blanchett in it, but now it looks like Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem are in talks to play Lucy and Desi in an Aaron Sorkin directed film. Um, uh, the the film is called Being the Ricardos, um, and yeah, uh, I'm curious about how that would look. I I like this casting though. Oddly enough, I don't know necessarily about Nicole Kidman, but I could see, I could see her changing her uh, changing her demeanor and do it. I could see her acting in that part just fine, but. Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz, I wouldn't have called a thousand miles away, but I want to see that now. Um, and Desi Arnaz has a very interesting story beyond just I Love Lucy. He's got, he's got a whole entire history, like f- from coming over from Cuba and being a band leader and being very popular before I Love Lucy even happened. Um, and then uh, we did get some more things pushed back. Morbius with uh, Jared Leto has been pushed back to October um, which no. I guess seems, which which I guess seems appropriate because Venom, the last um, dark Marvel Sony thing that came out, was an October thing. So maybe it'll end up doing very well, especially if theaters are opened again at that point. Um, yeah, I was reading the article on Variety, and right now they're thinking that Black Widow might move 
or it might be the first big movie. They're, they might move the movies out of April and Black Widow will stay because surprise, even though we have a vaccine, it's not being distributed fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, obviously here's hoping that that changes. There's another um, delay um, or push into a different platform. Uh, Joe Wright's new film, The Woman in the Window, um, or Rear Window 2, The Other Rear Window, um, uh, uh, will be coming to Netflix now uh, sometime at the beginning of this year. Um, I have not, I've only seen a trailer for the film and it did not really pique my interest because, um, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I've seen different versions of this story. I don't know what this one's going to do to change anything or make me feel. And no one can top Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. So, well, that is the cream of the crop, Brian. That is the only way you could remake Rear Window is if you got somebody just as bumbling as James Stewart can be. And the answer was, of course, Shia LaBeouf uh, mm-hmm. at the time. That would not be my answer now because Shia LaBeouf is, um, yeah, he's got his own issues right now. Anyway, we did have a death this week. Um, uh, Michael Apted, uh, the director of Coal Miner's Daughter um, and The World Is Not Enough, uh, passed away at the age of 79. Um, he was also very well known for a series of documentaries he did um, called Seven Up, where he followed a group of children starting at the age of seven, and then he would update it um, every, uh, every so often. So the, he would follow it up with 21 Up, 28 Up. 35 up, 42 up. He got all the way up to 63 up, which came out to, uh, back in 2019. Um, and uh, he also did uh, Gorillas in the Mist and Nell. Um, and he uh, would uh, do uh, at least one of the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Um, but yeah, um, a hell of a hell of a legacy. Like it, he, he did a lot of like studio work, it seems, so that he could also keep doing those uh, documentaries, which I want to check out these... Um, the up series. That sounds interesting. Um, and then, yeah, unless I missed anything, that's news. No, I don't think so. No, I think uh, apart from that, everything's just been watching everything be on fire. <laughs> yeah. Blu-rays have come out. Then we're going to talk about them. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Okay, so we we did a film explosion last week, uh, which if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the film explosion yet, why are you doing that? You should listen to the film explosion first. But there are some Blu-rays that came out last week that are more interesting than the ones that have come out this week. So I'm going to kind of combo both. Uh, First off, on 4K and Blu-ray, you can get Love and Monsters uh, with Dylan O'Brien, which I I have no idea what this is. But uh, okay, it looks like Dylan O'Brien's hunting monsters uh, and he's in love. So if you want to check out Love and Monsters, you may do that. Uh, Kino, uh, Criterion Collection is putting out three films by Louis Benwell, um, uh, the abstract filmmaker who made some very interesting films um, in the 70s. You can check those out. Um, you've got Savage Streets from 1984 from Code Red. This feels like something that already came out on Scream Factory, Ryan. Am I wrong or am I right? Uh you're wrong. It has been released. It is also directed by Friday yeah. Thirteenth Part Five, Danny Steinman. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it has Linda Blair and John Vernon in it, and Leanna Quigley. So I kind of want to watch this, but it's also Danny Steinman, and I'm not. Uh, he, 
he he gives a great interview. I just don't like the movie he made in the Friday series. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's nothing against really the man. Um, I heard it's a fun movie. I read oh. a review about it on Blu-ray. Maybe uh-huh. we could maybe we could watch it and do a commentary on Ryan. Sure. <laughs> um, and then uh, something that I'm definitely going to be picking up is the Man Who Would Be King, uh, which has been released on Blu-ray before, but now it is coming back via Warner Archive. Uh, this is John Huston's 1975 film starring Sean Connery, Michael Caine, and Christopher Plummer. Uh, so if you want to, I check am the out- last king. <laughs> is that in it? <laughs> if you, <laughs> I fucking wish. <laughs> He's not the last king. He's the man who would be king, Ryan. <laughs> I would be the king. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that actually, this that movie is interesting in Houston's career because right before he went to direct it, he was starring in that uh, Orson Welles film that ended up getting released by Netflix two years ago. Um, uh, and he was plastered the entirety of it all. Um, I don't know what this is, Ryan. You may have uh, more info on this than I do. Scorpion releasing is putting out Tinto Ta- Tintorera Tiger Shark. Uh, nope. that, First it, I've ever heard of it. No, here's the plot. Two shark hunters flirt with an attractive British lady while hunting down a large tiger shark terrorizing the Mex- Mexican East Coast. It sounds like they took everything and put it in a blender. And I'm curious. Uh, I don't know what the woman being British has to do with anything. Uh, But Tiger Shark catches my attention. Um, And then The Train with Burt Lancaster from 1964 is coming out to Blu-ray. Kino Classics is putting out Ingagi, uh, the greatest movie hoax. Um, An expedition enters an area of the Congo jungle to investigate reports of a gorilla-worshipping tribe. And after many dangerous adventures, they come upon the tribe they sought only to watch as a virgin is sacrificed to a huge gorilla who takes her away. Where have I heard this plot before, Ryan? <laughs> this sounds like King Kong. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, if you want to check out Ingagi, uh, you can, I suppose. Um, and then from 1963, Gregory Peck and Tony Curtis in Captain Newman, MD, uh, also features Angie Dickinson and Bobby Darren. Um, so yeah, Kino Lobert's got that uh, for you if you would like it. Uh, Magnet is putting out 12-hour shift. Uh, Kino Lobo is putting out Rough Night in Jericho. Uh, and uh, from this week, the ones that are coming out this particular week, um, you can get a reissue of The Freshman, uh, starring Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick. Uh, I'm going to for- be a freshman. <laughs> I could have been a freshman. Could have gotten into sophomore year. Um, Crossroads from 1986. Um, Buried Alive. From 1990, Kino Lorber is putting that out. It's a Frank Darabont film. Uh, I guess it's a TV movie uh, with Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, and then uh, Blind Fury, uh, which is Rutger Hauer. And I've heard a podcast about this film, but I've never seen the film. Blinded and left to die in Vietnam, Nick Parker has been missing in action for more than two decades. Finally home, he sets out to find and forgive his old army buddy. So, yeah. Rutger Hauer, the late Rutger Hauer, always a good. The uh, the cover art is hilarious. He has like a sword or something. Yeah, but he's but he's wearing sunglasses because he's blind. I I think anyway, it looks like everybody's trying to get at him, but he's got a sword. So they're like, well, no, 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 stay away. 
Uh, and then Criterion's putting out Minding the Gap, the documentary from 2018 about skateboarding uh, by Bing Liu. So if you want to check out, if you haven't checked that out on Hulu yet, you can get a physical copy. Um, there's a Kirk Cameron movie coming up, and I'm not mentioning that shit. Uh, and then 1981's Just Before Dawn uh, coming out from Code Red. Code Red's really cranking them out this week. Five campers arrive in the mountains to examine some property they have bought, but are warned by the forest ranger Roy McLean that a huge machete-wielding maniac has been terrorizing the area. Okay, Ooh, that's just the plot of a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> but I kind of want to see it because the cover the cover is really cool, Ryan. It's a jagged knife, and then there's and inside the knife is a woman screaming. And then there's this shadow extended of all these people in the forest going, what's that? What's that just before the dawn? Um, and then there is a Blu-ray collection, uh, Laurel or Hardy, Early solo films of Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy coming from Flickr Alley. Um, so this is basically the films that they did before they became Laurel and uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy or Stan and Ollie um, as, as the film Stan and Ollie uh, uh, has labeled them. Uh, and then something called Lupin the Third. I don't know what that is. Uh, and then the last notable thing is The Devil's Wedding Night from Code Red. Uh, it's the 1800s, and uh, a, a, a man has found a ring of the Nebula gun, which holds great power, and it's at Castle Dracula. His twin, a gambler, asks if vampires frighten him, and he shows him an Egyptian man. This, this plot's all over the place. I just need to buy The Devil's Wedding Night and find out what the hell this is. Uh, and that's Blu-rays. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> We watch movies and stuff throughout the week and what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, I'm going to start with you. You've been really quiet. Are you doing all right? Yeah, I got a headache and I'm trying to find this email. Um, it's in your mailbox. Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense. Did you even think to look there? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Is it an email for real nerds? No, it's for the 48. Ah, gotcha. I feel like a crazy person because I swear, I even posted about it last year because of COVID. They said, hey, if you don't cancel, we'll, we'll give you a credit for 2021. And obviously I took up that offer and now I can't find the email that proves that that happened. The Facebook post exists where I bragged about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, I watched so much stuff, guys. So much stuff. Um, I was trying to get hung up on too much of anything, so we're not here all night. Um, let's see. I'll start with I watched Life Force. Um, that's ah! a rough watch. <laughs> is it though? Is it? Yes, it is. I I, so. I I checked out halfway through. What what lost you? <laughs> uh, all the British like melodrama. Like not even Patrick Stewart, uh, overacting could. <laughs> but you were you were only disappointed because there were only one lights and not four lights. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, the movies. They they find some space vampires and then one of them runs around nude for like half an hour and then the rest of it is just going to places they suspect that she was and then. Yeah, they're always just barely missing her. Yeah, they barely miss her, and then they just interact with like two other groups of people, and then the movie ends. I had I had fun rewatching it in October. 
think Ryan. Yeah, I, think I always like that movie. Yeah, I think Ryan's the one who got me into it because he's just like, yeah, it's just it's just an alien chick running around naked. I'm like, interesting. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also watched U.S. Marshals again. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that Robert that, Downey Jr. is probably the most sinister bad guy of all time. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, yeah. Yep, <laughs> the movie's I, fun. Like it's it definitely yeah. suffers from like um a mid to late eight nineties action thriller. You I, know? I, yeah, I think what's it's missing is like the fugitive. Um, has like you're really invested in Richard Kimball's story, yeah. Um, because like that's that's the you know, Tommy Lee Jones and the U.S. Marshals are a result of what he's doing. U.S. Marshals is it's Tommy Lee Jones's story, um, yeah. and so, um, Wesley Snipes's uh plot just completely feels like secondary to. I feel like you should be invested in what Wesley Snipes is going through more than. Um, Gerard. So, um, is it is it something that I should still watch at some point? Because I've only seen The Fugitive. Yeah. Okay. I think mean, I don't think it's like a bad movie. It just. Well, I, I guess we're like, will I have because fun? it's in the same universe? <laughs> it's a big letdown. Okay, but I'll still have fun, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And and also like, um, Harrison Ford's Richard Kimball was at a disadvantage because he's just a doctor. Um, who's got like the whole system against him? Wesley Snipes is a mer- like a trained like special ops guy for the government. Yeah, like, undercover. It's like so he knows how to jump off a building. <laughs> like there's no yep. real danger for like there's a sense that he could die, but probably not because he's super athletic and you know he knows how to one up everybody. So I mean, yeah. he dodged the IRS for years. You know, <laughs> hey yo. <laughs> Couldn't Thank now, you, Ed. <laughs> run the IRS, yeah. So, and his plot is really confusing with like the double agents and then Robert Downey Jr.'s, um, you know, double cross with them. It was hard to follow. Um, but it was also like 4 a.m. when I watched it. Um, I also uh, tried to watch My Neighbor Totoro for the first time. It's too bad Corinne's not here. Um, and I like it took like it felt like an hour to even get to Totoro. And then by then I'd lost interest and it was like just playing in the background and I wasn't paying attention to it. So I will have to rewatch it again at some point. <laughs> That's always a bad sign when a movie, when you lose, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not like it's a bad movie. It's just the, like the beginning of the movie is like, it's beautiful, but like the beginning is just this dad moves into a, a sort of like haunted house. Uh, with his two kids and then they like they meet the the caretaker there and they just kind of hang out for like 45 minutes of the movie just chasing these uh like dust spirits around the house and then yeah it, towards the end Totoro comes around and i'm like like i said i i wasn't paying attention at that point so i don't know what his story was but there's like some he gets big and growls and uh morphs into things and um yeah i have to figure out why at some point um let's see um i rewatched back to the future at the alamo and that's just yeah talked about back to the future plenty uh i rewatched wonder woman 84 in imax 
to change your uh, opinion about it? It was more fun to watch because the spectacle was there, but it didn't um, change like the confusing plot holes and things that I had. Although mm-hmm. I did complain on Film Explosion about it that um, I was frustrated that at having two movies where her big dilemma is that she can't be with um, Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the Dark Knight trilogy. Bruce Wayne is hung up on Rachel Dawes so much that when she dies, he stops being Batman for seven years. So, you know, like Wonder Woman for 70 years, that's a bit extreme. Um, she is immortal. Um, so it's not Oh, that's like seven years for her. Yeah. So it's it's not that unheard of that she, you know. But also like in Batman's defense, like we've had at that point seven Batman movies where I know a lot about Batman at that point. Like he has different uh, you know, pockets of personality to get to know. Whereas Wonder Woman were on two. Like she's only had two yeah. solo movies. Batman's had seven. So, um, and I write knew a bunch about him from the comics, whereas I don't know that much about Wonder Woman. So at the same time, I can't fault, you know, they both have the same dilemma in those <laughs> trilogies. So. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a bummer. Cause I don't think Wonder Woman 84 is a bad movie. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, you know, okay. I, yeah. I I I was convinced. I'm going to eventually rewatch it. I was convinced there was like, I I I listened to a friend um, uh, to a friend speak about it, and they they were trying to find a lot of the positive moments in it. And I'm like, I want to rewatch it from their within their lens to be like, okay, like this movie can't be as convoluted and disappointing as I remember it being. So, and it's been like a couple weeks, so I'm gonna rewatch it and see if I change my tune. And if it's yeah, an IMAX, I'd love her, to go. Her miss, most disappointing thing about it is she thought it was kind of boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd think that, like, you know, Wonder Woman from 2017 and Batman Begins, like, they're good and they kind of set things up, right? Like, mm-hmm. 84 should have been the Dark Knight where it's like, it's the Empire Strikes Back of a trilogy. Yeah. Like, something really important should have happened in this movie and it didn't. Yeah, like it's it's just kind of like a footnote in her many adventures. Agreed. It almost feels like they're trying to set her up in her own light, the way Batman and Superman had all those prior movie experiences prior to their like the huge, um, like moments. Like even 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 if you don't like Man of Steel, that is a huge Superman moment to a certain degree. Um, but well, Wonder Woman be- hasn't even had that. It might be too because they kind of box themselves in by having it take place in 1984, mm-hmm. where she's obviously been in Batman, Superman, and Justice League after. So you really can't, I don't know, you can't change her status quo too much. Yeah, like those movies established that she's been in hiding. So it's like, how do you do massive world events while she's in hiding, you know? Yeah. But it is almost, but again, but I always keep going back to the fact that they've basically disbanded their continuity and just said like it's a whatever thing. So yeah. it doesn't does it even matter at this point? Plus, too, like the movie, like, I think the movie is maybe so meta that it's just like, yeah, it's trying to be like the Donner Supermans, where mm. you know the first two are really well connected because they were supposed to be one movie at one point, but like everything after that, and even the like Tim Burton Batman's, they're just they're just sequels. They're not 
part of this overarching story like we're used to now. Yeah. So it is a bit of a throwback. But anyway, um, what uh, other movie stuff I watched? Um, okay, this would be a good segue. Um, so I've seen a lot of Spielberg movies, but I've never watched the Sur- Sugarland Express until now. Oh, hmm. okay. And uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive for like what it is. It's like an hour and a half long car chase, right? Has anyone else seen it? Yeah, 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 but it's been a while. Like, um, yeah, it's it's his first official feature. Yeah, because Duel is a TV movie. TV movie, yeah. Which I have seen Duel, but yeah, I never got around to seeing Street Lane Expression. Yeah, it's it's kind of just a charming, like road movie um, where this couple, uh, the the wife breaks her husband out of out of prison so that they can go get custody custody of their kid again, Um, and it goes awry really quickly because they're not the brightest couple of individuals. Um, so basically they have the police chasing them for the whole trip. And, um, you know, they kind of start and stop between, um, you know, trouble that they run into. And, uh, it's, it's just really impressive how Spielberg manages to make something like, like that one note, like, just all the, the variety of camera shots and uh, the acting of uh, everyone just it's just such a small idea that just feels more epic than it really is. Um, right. So do you think Spielberg could ever do something that tiny again? I think he did with the terminal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I think Bridge of Spies is that isn't that epic. It's yeah, not. That's it, yeah, it's not. It's, it's pretty small. I mean, it's got it's got scale, but but it's a different type of scale. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess purchase spies. Yeah, um, I think there's something else. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, purchase spies is probably the small smallest thing he's done yeah. recently. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that was cool, and then um, that led me into there's a Spielberg documentary on HBO. Um, yeah. which I have the director's series of his that kind of touches the same things. Um, but this time around in this one, they have more uh, like other directors come in and talk about him, uh, like interviews with like other people, whereas the director series kind of has just him and some other like George Lucas, you know, really close people. Uh, but this has like Brian De Palma on there and Martin Scorsese um, people who I didn't know, like he really just like hung out with as like buds uh oh, yeah. when they were young like and it's amazing that coppola um yeah lucas all them were in that just like close group not even like accomplishing much at all yet and like all those people went off and became legends yeah no they i mean coppola and lucas were part of coppola's american zoetrope which went bust after lucas's thx 1138 but Co- uh, Spielberg, Scorsese, and De Palma all hung out within that little circular group, hanging out with um, a lot of the other people in the new wave before they all kind of broke away from each other. And like, it, you know, I know De Palma and Scorsese stayed in touch, but De Palma, um, De Palma and Spielberg were in the same room with Lucas watching the first kind of Star Wars. Yeah. De pa- and De Palma said it was trash. Yeah. And Spielberg was the only one who was just like, George, it's going to be great. Yeah. De Palma is <laughs> responsible for the title crawl. Yeah. He's like, you need to give these people backstory. 
uh, what the hell this silly movie is. So, just yeah, Spielberg's just, the only one who believed in it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, they. That's that's why when you have Scorsese winning his Oscar, you have Spielberg, Lucas, and Coppola up on the stage giving him that award because, apart from Lucas, like really, but like all of them, like were that tight together. Yeah. And then the, the, the big surprising thing was like, we, I'd always known that, um, you know, a lot of Spielberg movies deal with the absentee father. Um, cause I, I, I heard the, you know, he, he left them, but apparently he left the family because he was protecting the fact that his mom was cheating on him mm-hmm. or cheating on his dad. So the dad took the, took one for the team, I guess. And then, um, made it seem like he was the one who broke up the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, kind of a surprise. Yeah, and it was like her dad's best friend. I think I can't remember the Weak. the doc. The doc came out a few years ago. I know James and I watched it pretty quick, but I'm trying to remember how much they delved into the Schindler's List story because there was some interest. I remember there being some interesting stuff about the making of it, but. Yeah, it, t- it ties into like his uh, relationship with Kate Capshaw and like them being together drove him to reconnect with his faith mm-hmm. and just happened to coincide with that movie at the time. Right. So, um, what? I didn't say anything. Oh. Um, and then that, that led me to watch the Robin Williams documentary, uh, Come Inside My Mind, oh. which is a really sad watch. Um, God damn it. Uh, but it's amazing to like uh, watch like they have outtakes of the Mork and Mindy show where he's like, like doing a like raunchy stuff or like saying like cursing in their, uh, you know, when they're, they're doing the live show, it's the stuff they cut out, but uh, you know, trying to get each other to like swear and things. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just fun to see those like growing up watching Mork and Mindy is, is fun to see those outtakes. Um, but yeah, it's just a, such a tragic story. Like a guy, a guy who grew up so lonely. And then um, the other fascinating thing was like, I never realized that he was in the same room with John Belushi when he overdosed. Um, hmm. Like he was uh, so high. He didn't like notice that John Belushi was, mm-hmm. he just thought he was like stoned, like super stoned, but like, yeah, he, pa- or passed out. Yeah. But he was there the same night. Um, and then like had to go testify and, about what happened but yeah i didn't know that they were connected mm-hmm. um and then yeah it's, um it really sounds like you know when he killed himself like i always the impression i got was that he like it was depression that kind of consumed him and is uh, struggling with addictions because he kicked coke like after belushi but he was doing some indie movie in the like past decade um he started drinking a lot so he had to go to rehab um and then he got died he had a like um there's nothing wrong with his heart so he had to get surgery and then the drugs that they prescribed to him um but during the surgery they found out he had louis de, louis body de, like disorder mm-hmm. um and uh, parkinson's so he had to start taking drugs and i think it's the drugs that screwed with his head and like amplified his depression mm-hmm. <coughs> um so it's just like another one of those like I think he would have probably lived longer if he hadn't had to take that medicine. 
Right. Mm. That cycle of depression mixed yeah. with all the different things flowing through your body. Yeah, that's going to it's going to drive you up a wall. Yeah. Like you just hear like so many celebrities are getting prescribed these drugs and like they're either dying in their sleep or like killing themselves because like they're losing their minds over it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's sad. Um, and then find that, something happy. <laughs> yeah. Like, so there's a lot of good TV shows out there. And so <laughs> I watched Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. all six seasons and uh i think it really kicks into gear in season two but amazingly like they're only like eight to ten episodes each season and i swear like every episode between season like 40 episodes are just the lead character richard um creates some revolutionary tech thing um screws it up uh with by succumbing to his own pride and then they have to merge with a different company to save their asses and then that merger double cross gets like double crossed and they find some other thing to save their asses 40 times like every episode i swear is that dynamic (laughs) with a ton of funny stuff in between um so yeah that's fun um so our Harley Quinn season two was great. Um, I'm still laughing about how King Shark ate his brother. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's a it's a like it's it's just funny how like out there and like oh like willing it is uh, will it's willingness to make fun of the DC universe. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, like how I love Bane too, where he's so oh. pathetic. Yeah, he's just he's like a middle manager for everything. Yep. Um and like this season the Joker forgets he's the Joker and he like lives a suburban life. Um and actually falls in love with the person <laughs> that he didn't realize he was like uh in a relationship with the whole time. Um yeah. And then uh like the whole time Harley Quinn realizes that she's really in love with Poison Ivy. Um yep. Yeah, just like really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, and even Darkseid shows up and he's like, it's sort of like not that terrifying, I guess. Yeah. Like like he's just kind of like a CEO like type boss mentality of just like, I'll let you kill all these people. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a really fun show. Yeah, and it's uh, it's coming on Blu-ray, so I'm glad I waited. I know. Yeah, but they're doing a season three though, right? Yeah, I, I think they okayed it, and now I think they're writing scripts. I, I mean, it's probably going to be a year or so before it shows up. Yeah, well, I have to keep going because it's it's a ton of fun. Um, what's the other show I watched? Oh yeah, the last thing was a uh, oh no, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. A bunch of the later episodes I can't get on DVD or on HBO Max, so I burn through those. Nice. And uh, yeah, they're just fun and crazy, and uh, I-, I miss those guys. Yep. And then the last thing I watched, which was really good, was Cobra Kai season three, which, um, you know, it, it starts out, and I'm just like, oh my god, how many more episodes are going to be? Uh, Daniel and Johnny like sort of teaming up and then 
realizing they hate each other again and then wrecking everything they built. Um, and then finally, um, oh, what's her name? Elizabeth Shue comes back. Oh, you know, she was in it. Yeah, it's, it is it is a bit of a surprise, but I don't think it's that much of a like, oh, I, I wish I hadn't known that. This would have made the season better. But the fact that she's back finally like puts them on a path to where we're not going to see that dynamic as much anymore, I don't think. Um, and they really amazingly managed to create a backstory for John Kreese. Hmm. that you understand like he's not a good guy but you understand why he's not a good guy rather than just being a villain hmm. um so there's a bunch of flashbacks to him and nam and like where the name cobra kai even comes from and i fingers crossed um i hope they bring back terry silver for season four because <laughs> him and hillary swank are like the last <laughs> the like, last two connect- it, yeah the connecting dots <laughs> yeah because even uh, this season brings back uh, people from um, Karate Kid 2, like the guy he, Daniel, fights in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. They have a little bit of a storyline um, for like two episodes. Um, yeah, it's it's such a great show. Like, like just the way they blur the lines of like, you know, villainy and heroics and like they've got their thing and then their kids have their own set of storylines and uh, you know, from last season, uh, Miguel, you know, broke his back. And so what Johnny goes through to rehabilitate him and get him back on his feet. Um, yeah, it's just a ton of fun. I, yeah, people should check it out. But the best part is, yeah, um, Elizabeth Shue comes back and kind of settles the score between the both of them. And it, yeah, pleasant surprise. Yeah, they hinted she was coming back in the last season, so. I'm glad they did. They've actually got her. Sweet. Nice. Guess she's not too busy on the boys since, uh, you know, <laughs> her character got her eyes burned out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I watched. Zach. All right. Um, I've watched some stuff since we last all spoke. Um, I rewatched arsenic and old lace, um, with Cary Grant classic directed by Frank Capra. Um, I, I, I have not watched this film in a long ass time. Like it would have been picking up at the library in high school. Um, and so watching it, especially going through Capra's films as an adult now, um, I, I appreciate this film even more because it is that rare form of watching Capra play in the macabre. Um, like I, I didn't text you this Ryan when I was, cause I was texting Ryan as I was watching it going like, God, Dick. God, Cary Grant's fun. I know he doesn't like this role, but God damn it, this is fun. Um, it felt like a Tim Burton movie at times. Um, uh, I know we've talked about the Coen brothers being good choices for a remake, and I still agree with that. But that, there was a Burton aesthetic to it where I'm like, this is something that he could have feasibly remade at this point. Um, I, I don't think it would have been any good, but I I could see it being in his wheelhouse. Um, uh, but if you don't know the story, um, Cary Grant plays a guy who uh, who he belongs to a crazy family. He's finally going to get married and he goes home to um, break the news. And he um, goes to his aunts who he used to live with. And his aunts have been poisoning elderly men uh, with elderberry wine and burying their bodies in the basement to perform rituals. And 
everything turns into screwball chaos over the course of two hours. Forgot this film is nearly two hours, but it breezes by pretty quickly. Um, I still love um, uh, cousin Teddy who thinks he's the president. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like that, the whole time I was just like Ryan, like if there's any role I would want you to vie for in a major Hollywood remake, it would be that role. It's not because I don't think you couldn't do any other role. I just want to see you run up the stairs and go charge. <laughs> um, Done with, with with a Rough Rider hat on. <laughs> Um, and like, and the only thing that that movie still lacks for me, and it's why I can't give it a perfect rating is that, uh, Boris Karloff was in the stage version of it. Um, but instead of having Boris Karloff, you have Raymond Massey, he's fine, but they keep saying you look just like Boris Karloff. And I'm like, this joke would work so much better if Boris Karloff was in this movie, (laughs) but it kind of almost works. Peter Laurie is my, still my favorite part of the movie though, because he's like, he's like the sniveling coward version of every other role he's ever played where like he has, he has menace, but it's so like mired in anxiety and stress that I just love watching him play it. Um, So yeah, if you haven't watched that movie, I think you can rent it on Amazon prime, but I picked up the DVD thankfully for cheap at um, uh, second and Charles um, because it's been tough to find that without paying it for it used on Amazon. Um, I mean, I don't know, Ryan, you got it. Did you get it? Did you get it before it went out of print? Uh, I guess I got it in the Kerry Grant Screen Legends collection. Oh, okay, so it's part of the four pack then. All right, I got the uh, yeah, I got the solo um uh, solo release, and the poster on that solo release is clearly the one they did in the '08 because it doesn't have a poster for the movie. It just has a very bad Photoshop picture of Cary Grant and Priscilla Lane, and you see a title like that with arsenic and old lace, where you think. Well, looking at this photo, it seems like this will be a delightful romantic comedy. And then you watch the movie, and obviously there's there's homicidal ants and uh, murder and mayhem and bodies in the basement, and I, it's all the things. It's wonderful. Um, and then I technically saw another Peter Lorre movie because I, I rewatched Hollywood Canteen uh, from 1944. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a movie that is not. It's it's a movie that has to be reviewed in a different way because it's it, the plot is very bare thread because the movie was primarily done as an excuse to throw every Warner Brothers star in their stables into one movie um, and to also be a wartime rally call. Um, if anybody out there doesn't know what the Hollywood canteen is, basically during World War II um, – the the major stars on the East Coast formed something called the Stage Door Canteen, which provided a hot rest spot for soldiers before they shipped off overseas. And so Betty Davis and John Garfield did the West Coast equivalent of it called the Hollywood Canteen, where they got the cooperation of all the guilds and whatnot to build this canteen restaurant where and dance hall where soldiers who were about to ship off could go have a night where they would get served food by the stars, get to dance with the stars, get to meet their idols before they headed off to war. Um, and the movie basically follows the plot of a man who comes for leave from the army before he has to ship out again. And all he wants is a kiss from Joan Leslie. And then what it ends up turning into is him falling in love with Joan Leslie. But throughout the whole movie, you get to meet every star in Warner brothers stable at the time. 
Um, part of the reason I was rewatching it is because Jack Benny is in the movie for about five minutes playing his violin. Um, but the best moment of the movie isn't even Jack. There's a wonderful moment where uh, uh, amongst the stars we meet, Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Laurie are in the movie. And Ryan, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, a soldier is getting a little too fresh with one of the Andrews sisters. Um, and Sidney Greenstreet goes up to this soldier and he goes, excuse me, young man, this seems incredibly rude what you're doing. <laughs> um, and the soldier starts getting freaked out because he recognizes it's Sidney Greenstreet and you don't fuck with Sidney Greenstreet. And then as he's getting even more intimidated, Sidney Greenstreet just says, oh, Peter, Peter. And Peter Laurie turns around and you just suddenly have two of the creepiest villains of the Warner Brothers era at that time staring down this uh, far from noble soldier. <laughs> And they scare the shit out of him. <laughs> he just runs away and they don't even lift a fucking finger. It's, it's a wonderful scene. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a variety act movie for the most part, but I think there's a lot of charm in it still. There's still a lot of great sequences in it. Like Joey Brown um, uh, when uh, singing his big number. Uh, so if you, if you have a way to get a copy of it, I recommend it. Um uh, I got it as part of a home front war pa wartime pack that has, this is the army and thank your lucky stars in it as well. Um, which I have to go through. This is the army again, because the only thing I remember about it is that Ronald Reagan's in the movie. And that's the part where I'm going to kind of shrug my shoulders the most. Um, and then I saw a movie called night nurse. Uh, it's a pre-code movie from 1931 stars, um, Barbara Stanwyck, uh, AKA Ryan's new crush. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, in this movie, Ryan, she's, she, so this is really young Barbara Stanwyck. So the movie is about uh, a woman who gets a job as a night nurse, um, and one of her co-workers is Joan Blondell, uh, and they learn the rough and tough nature of being a nurse. They take the nurse's oath, and then she gets assigned to take care and play nurse to these children that she helped out in the hospital, but it's soon discovered that these children are slowly but surely being killed for nefarious purposes. Their health is being slowly drained by a very devious and villainous and inexplicably terrifying man known as Nick the Chauffeur, played by Clark Gable, playing an absolute fucking monster in the movie. Um, and what happens is, Barbara Stanwyck basically has to find a way to get rid of Nick the chauffeur, even if it means teaming up with a nasty bootlegger. Uh, so yeah, I recommend this movie to you, Ryan, especially if you've been getting into Barbara Stanwyck. This is a pre-code up the wazoo, uh, very scandalous for the era. Um, lots of, uh, lots of content that wouldn't happen again until the seventies. Uh, and if you've ever wanted to see Clark Gable without a mustache being an absolute monster, this is your movie. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll loan it to you. I, I really want to know what you think of it. Um, cool. I, I kind of want to know what Laura thinks of it too. And I want to ask her like, is this is what nurses go through? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you. She's probably not going to watch a movie like that. Oh, I'm sure she's not. But it would be, if she ever does, you let me know what she thinks of Night Nurse. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, and then we, at Film Club, we watched a movie called Rage in Heaven, which I don't remember much of, um, other than George Sanders and a cat are in it. Um, uh, but it, it was interesting to watch. It was kind of, it's basically kind of like a Hitchcock kind of gaslighty plot. Uh, it has early Ingrid Bergman in it. 
Um, she's actually kind of dealing in the psychiatric realm before Spellbound in it. Um, so it's kind of interesting to watch, especially since it comes out the same year as stuff like Maltese Falcon and Citizen Kane, where you're seeing like, oh, cinema is going to change forever in this year alone. And this is the trajectory of where the studios are still at at this point. Uh, and then at Film Club, we were surprised with a screening of Dumbo, which I hadn't watched in a long time. And that movie is still fucking magical. Um, I found myself singing along to Casey Jr.'s coming down the track again, uh, crying at baby mine. And um, T- Timothy the mouse, uh, basically uh, we, we discovered that. So Ryan, you remember the scene where he has to dress up in a sheet and convince the circus owner that there should be a pyramid of pachyderms. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do realize that Timothy mouse basically does the entire movie inception within 30 seconds. <laughs> that's basically what it is i didn't notice it until yesterday and i was like jesus christ <laughs> like nolan took that idea and said what if i made it two and a half hours and an imax um and without mice um and then i rewatched mank um which is growing on me the more and more i watch it it's still pretty friggin' remarkable um rewatched citizen kane for research don't need to go into that again uh, and then the last thing is that before we recorded today, I finally did it, guys. I sat down and watched your space show because now I am a watcher of The Mandalorian, at least four episodes of it thus far. Um, and I want to apologize to the real nerds and the American public for having missed this train for two years because this show is fucking wonderful. Um, I'm I I am. I was like put back into like the mode I was when force awakens came out where I was like, Holy shit. It's star Wars stuff. I'm, I'm back in it. I'm back in the game here. I'm, I'm having fun with it. Um, I really, really like, um, the, uh, the level of detail and production value on this show. Um, it's kind of weird because I've had a lot of things about the Mandalorian spoiled for me or, um, uh, production stuff revealed. In yeah, because like, Corinne tweets about it as soon as it happens. Well, yeah. Now, the good news is I have a short <laughs> memory for story stuff because obviously I don't know which characters from where in Star Wars anymore. Um, this is what happens when you drink alcohol for years, kids. You'll re- you'll forget stuff very easily. Um, but uh, I um, uh, I do um, I do remember somebody talking about like that whole background in mandalorian like it's like that's a cgi like backdrop like it's like this new technology that they're using to create real life environment backgrounds and it's all on a soundstage but i was like blown away by what i saw on the screen um i think that werner herzog delivering star wars dialogue is the thing i needed in my life two years ago that i wish i had you know put into my life um because he's so he fits in that world in a way that i didn't think he ever would um uh nick Dolty's really cool in it um uh, uh baby yoda is a great thing i already know his real name but i haven't gotten to that point yet so right now he's still baby yoda uh and right now the only thing that i want is for baby yoda to put on a backward cap sunglasses and drive the mandalorian ship let him drive that fucking ship please i want the man i want baby yoda to drive the ship that's all i want um and then uh but yeah it it's a lot of fun i'm already halfway through the first season it sounds like so i'll be able to get finished up before next episode so i'll be all caught up um you guys were right i was wrong to miss this 
And that's all that's, I watched this week. That should be your Twitter handle. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed this. Real nerds are right. Zach is wrong. <laughs> I didn't realize until I got back onto Twitter that you could apparently make your name super long. <laughs> I was like, when did that shit happen? Um, but yeah, um, uh, also, I, um, I'm, maybe I need to read more into the extended universe or whatever is in canon now. Um, but Carla Gugino's character, I'm still, I'm only, I've only watched her first appearance thus far, but I was trying to figure out who the hell she is. So I'm assuming I'll learn more about her as the series goes on. I don't think um, you're using that name right. Carla Gugino's character? Yeah. Well, the, her, the actress is Carla Gugino. Mm, I don't like that or one. Or no, uh, what? Not Carla Gugino. Fuck. What's her name? Uh, Gennaro. I don't fucking <laughs> the the gal from Haywire. Um, Gina Carano. Uh, oh, Gia Carano. Okay, whatever. Gia Carano. I have no idea who her character is supposed to be. They only reveal that she was part of the Rebel Army, but she defected. I didn't really understand the dialogue on it, but anyway, I had fun with it. And also, I want Mandalorian dollars, like those those little Mandalorian bricks that they you know melt into their to make their armor i would like a mando dollar please uh that's not dollars that's um beskar armor i I understand that but it's the payment so i'm calling it mando dollars um so then that way since it's a space western we could have an episode titled uh a fistful of mando dollars or for a few mando dollars more wouldn't you just Uh, push together and just be man dollars yeah the same letters Mandalorian, <laughs> make it even worse. Um, but yeah, no. Um, it's like best little... armor should be best <laughs> armor should be best armor. Yeah, this is the way, Brad. This is the way. Um, and yeah, that's all I watched this week, guys. Um, yeah, I watched a couple things. Um, hey, you can't really take just... my catchphrase. <laughs> uh, I've been kind of going through and checking out things I missed maybe in 2020. Uh, but before I get to that, uh, I uh, check it out with Dr. Steve Brule is on HBO Max and I forgot how much I love that show. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's a show with John C. Riley, basically in the Tim and Eric universe where he plays this really stupid doctor and he says things wrong. So instead of pizza, he says pizza and my wife didn't think it was funny when I told her that I said, Hey honey, do you want my prenus? She didn't think it was funny. (laughs) She was watching the show with me and she thought it was funny that I was laughing at how stupid the show is because it's stupid. Um, But it's funny. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to describe it because I'm just going to ruin the jokes, but it's basically that he goes around town, meets people. Um, Tim and Eric play a married couple in it. And, uh, they keep on <laughs> the wife tries to let Dr. Steve Brule have sex with her and touch her boobs and stuff. And then uh, the husband gets jealous and it's a long running joke throughout the, uh, the series, which I took place over like 10 or 12 years. There's only like 20 episodes, but it took 12 years to make them. Um, huh. But yeah, it's, it's pretty stupid and funny. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard of it, but I guess the best way would, to sell it to people would be like, if you know what Tim and Eric is, you're already on board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's The humor is really bizarre. Uh, I'll have to check it out now. You should check it out with Dr. Steve Rule. Hmm. Uh, I 
the first day movie theaters were, oh, I guess the second or third day they were open. Uh, I took Kellen to see Monster Hunter by Academy Award winning director Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, what Oscar? <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. Um, it's based on a very popular Capcom game that I've never played. And um, in it, Mila Jovovich is some army lady looking for her army friends that have disappeared and while she's looking for them a lightning storm happens and takes them to a different world that has monsters in it and a basement are... <laughs> it's like um it's weird I, I watched tremors and um a couple weeks ago and this one also the monster burrows underground and I saw another movie where monsters burrow underground this week but more on that later but anyways it's like a sand world and the story doesn't make too much sense. Basically she gets sucked to a different world and fights monsters and it's just one big action set to another. Um, it looks cool. Like it's better than I thought it would be. Uh, Kellen liked it because it's a bunch of monsters and yep. Mila Hovovich is just fighting them. And nice. Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna watch now. Is it? Um, does it have the same level of fun that Deep Rising's supposed to have? Because I still have yet to see that. But like, um, it sounds similar to that. Like, I don't think it's horrible. I mean, it's better than I thought it was gonna be. I mean, the monsters and special effects look really great. Uh, but you know, like a lot of paul w sanderson movies they look really cool but the story is just like whatever just the execution's off uh, yeah but at least it's not like resident evil final chapter where it's a cut every half second <laughs> when the action's on screen so like, we are saved from that it's like he learned a lesson um but yeah it's it's all right but it was it was a fun time to go back to the movies and kellen liked it because he likes monster movies uh I watched a movie called Snatchers, which uh, got a lot of play at uh, Fantastic Fest. And it was supposed to come out during the pandemic, obviously. And then it was just dumped on Blu-ray by Warner Brothers. And it's about um, this girl, a teenage girl, who sleeps with her boyfriend and gets pregnant and then gives birth to a monster a day later because of something he did when he was in Mexico and <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really gory. It's pretty funny. Um, it's basically, man, if I could describe it, it'd be mean girls meets like horror comedy kind I'm on, of. I'm on board. This where it's uh, a bunch of snarky girls and um, being, and then there's a, demon bug thing that can control people and kills them and it's very unusual it's funny uh maybe the biggest issue with it is some of the cgi towards the end doesn't really hold up very well but before that it's all practical so the the little alien monster thing is a practical effect Ooh. which it looks like a puppet but it still looks cool if that makes any sense mm -hmm. um 
Like so maybe, yeah, if you uh, want to see <laughs> like a yeah, if you want to see like a gory, silly movie, Snatchers is pretty fun. And oh, and the only other thing I watched is uh, Love and Monsters, which uh, you touched on earlier. Uh, I picked it up because one of my friends who I work with mentioned that it'd be a lot of fun for Kellen and I to watch it. And yeah, Kellen loved the movie. Um, and it is takes place in the future-ish where the world is decimated by mutant bugs and monsters because an asteroid is coming to Earth and the countries of the world rally and they blow up the asteroid. But when by blowing it up, all the radiation and stuff fell to the Earth, which made bugs and normal animals become mutant monsters. And so... Uh, everybody lives underground and um, Dylan O'Brien's character decides to leave his um, colony to go find the girl that he lost the day of like when the monsters came to life. And it's been seven years and she lives on the coast. So he has to go 39 miles to see her. And along the way, he meets uh, the Rook, Michael Rooker. And um, gets a dog dog companion, and there's a monster in here that also burrows and like digs through the ground. Um, but the movie's actually really funny, and it's really well made. Uh, it moves really fast. The special effects are pretty good in it, and yeah, Kellen loved it. You know, it's really about a a kid who finds a dog and goes across to you know great lengths to find his lost girlfriend and uh there's some great moments where there's a a robot named mavis that is found in this hotel room and it's kind of sweet moments he has with her and um yeah it's just a it's actually a really uh fun movie so if you want to you know just have fun and watch a film i recommend it Sweet. And that's all. That's all I watched this week. This week on Real Nerds, we went to the movie theaters again and saw a Promising Young Woman. Zach, should people see Promising Young Woman? Um, yeah, uh, I think you should. Um, it was not the revenge story that I was expecting, um, but Emerald uh, Emerald Fennel, the director, um, is a director I want to keep watching because there's a lot of imagery she uses and very specific meticulous imagery in it that I think is, it was eye popping. Um, and I think Carrie Mulligan kills it in the movie. So yeah, I think you should go see it. Brad. I promise you'll like it. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, Zach's right. It's, it's not the, uh, slashery revenge thriller that I expected, but, uh, I, I'm really impressed with what it isn't, you know? So, um, I was a little confused by the end, but I talked to someone else and they cleared it up for me. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a pretty entertaining watch. Yeah. I love this movie. Uh, it's pretty awesome because you're right. You expect it the way it's sold as a slasher kind of movie and it's not. And you, as a dude watching it, I felt kind of like a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I felt Um, like garbage. Not that I ever did anything that the dudes in this did, 
but still it's um, the way it's presented to you is it's a, it's a film I think guys should watch. I'm embarrassed Anyways. on behalf of guys that they, <laughs> right? these guys like this exist Yep, and are allowed yeah, I, to perpetrate. Right. Yeah. Here's the uh, trailer for Promising Young Woman. My assistant tells me that you're interested in resuming med school. I left under unusual circumstances. Huh. You remember the accusations made against Alexander Monroe? I don't. He took a girl back to his room. You know, we get accusations like this all the time. That's a he said, she said situation. What would you have me do? Ruin a young man's life? <laughs> Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who she spoke to? You. Here. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Really? <laughs> Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? <laughs> what do you want? I don't know. You seem nervous. Oh. No use hiding from the piper. Oh. She has to be paid. Why do you guys have to ruin everything? It's a day of reckoning for everyone. Uh, Promising Young Woman is a story about a young woman who goes to clubs or bars and pretends to be drunk and incapacitated and goes home with guys. And just as they're about to, uh, have sex with her she puts them on the spot the movie i thought she was going to kill him <laughs> you know what i mean um but she doesn't she basically calls them out and and every one of them says i'm a good guy or all this these other things and uh it's and the, it, the movie's really cool because it takes guys or actors i guess in films that you really like and they're always they always are the good guys and turns that on its head. And I think it lulls you into uh, comfort with them. Um, and even uh, Bo Durnham's character who you really like uh, his, his reveal, the reveal wasn't shocking to me, uh, but his reaction to it was. Yeah. And, uh, and her yeah. reaction is just heartbreaking. Like you feel for her so much. Yeah, because yeah. The, anyways, so in it, she starts, she's, you know, she doesn't want to date this doctor who went to school with her because um, she dropped out of school after her friend was gang raped at a party. And she was, I guess I wasn't clear. She also got taken advantage of, right? No, I think uh, it was just or, her, her friend killed herself over it. And so she resents that. Okay. Or she like she left to take care of her friend, and then her friend killed herself or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
um, so she made it her like life mission to go out to bars and find guys to teach them a lesson basically. And then when um, Bo Durnham's character, uh, Ryan, who's a pediatric surgeon comes <laughs> in, he's, I know what a dick <laughs> he's um he's funny. He's charming. You know, he doesn't push her and um, it, it's really fascinating to watch how it unravels because it goes into this kind of romantic comedy um, three quarters of the way through the film mm-hmm. where, you know, they're dancing in the, the pharmacy and you think that it, it makes you let your guard down because you think, oh, you know what? She's done this and she feels bad after she ran into him at the club. And she, this is how she learns her lesson to love again, but it wasn't that yeah. at all. Not all guys are as bad as she makes them out to be. Yeah. And, but no, so yeah. Any, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, she finds out that her um, spoilers, her new boyfriend was part of the gang rape or um, basically part of laughing and clapping on their classmate while she was, being yeah, he, raped. he was there and he didn't do anything to stop it mm-hmm. yeah and what's really heartbreaking about that moment too is she also changes too towards him where you know she's saying you know i know what you did basically and i'm never going to forgive you and you know his last line to her is what is something pretty mean it's like you fucking psycho or something or you you fucking drop out yeah, and like he, it, yeah, it immediately changes who he is mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, the the way that I I I think you're probably the only other one in the room here who would have noticed this, Ryan. But the way that uh, Emerald Fennel plays with the Knight of the Hunter in this movie. Oh yeah, big time. Um, with um, full, Fine, I mean, I'm, I'm the dumb dumb. I'll sit off to the side while you guys talk. Well, good. We'll talk about black and white movies without you, Brad. Um, uh, no, I mean, like, I mean, Brad, actually, you'd like Night of the Hunter. Um, but um, Ugh, I don't understand movies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad now. Um, but um, obviously they show the clip, but they played the audio cue of um, the little sister in Night of the Hunter singing as they're in the boat uh, after she sees the video. And it's uh, going through as she's like basically like walking through the woods uh, outside of the house that she's at. And it is very, very um, crushing as that transition. Cause I, when I first walked out of the film, my only frustration with it was the third act, the way it kicks into the third act. But then I thought of that moment. I'm like, no, that's how we transition out in back into the revenge movie that we, we uh, were sold on with the trailer. Um, so in that sense, like, that's why I need to bump up my rating on letterbox. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because as I was thinking about the movie too, and the character of, um, Cassie is, I had a feeling that maybe she started seeing, uh, Ryan at the beginning. Cause that was her plan all along. And then she kind of put it on the back burner when she started being happy. And then when, she got the video then it kind of kicked it back into gear i don't know that's how i think yeah, it i, I that makes I think, sense yeah yeah that that makes sense I, that makes sense i was just saying more like the the visual or the the audio cue for me was 
them playing that song from Night of the Hunter, like now, I, again, I'm reading into it in a different way than like uh, if I'm if I've never seen Night of the Hunter, that still works for me because it's breaking that illusion that she had of her time with Ryan. Um, but I'll tell you that the ending, like the twist at the very, very end, I was not expecting. Like I was not, I, I, I couldn't have called that a mile away. Like that was a very innovative ending. I guess um, Ryan's point too, like she does, like before they get deep into the relationship, she is back at the club uh, when he finds her. Um, like she's preying on, preying on that uh, one dude. Um, and like he catches her in the parking lot. Yeah. I always forget his name, but he's awesome in Veep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that makes sense that she was, you know, up to that point, probably just because she also him. had that like Facebook page where she's trying to figure out where it was at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it's a really facet. I mean, I, I love this movie because, you know, like I said, it lulls you into this complacency when they start having their, you know, romantic comedy moments. And Plus too, I like in place of the slasher stuff, like the way she gets the, her, her, tar- her target to like basically admit to what they've done. Yeah. Like the, like the school Dean or whatever, like, you know, oh yeah, she that was that she kidnapped her daughter. Either. Yeah, um, yeah, she she does it in a a scary way where she actually doesn't like physically hurt anybody, but what she does to Allison Bree, you know what I mean? Oh is, yeah, yeah, is really freaking brutal. Like sets her it, up to be in that position, and yeah, I, it, at a certain point in the film, I had to settle into like it's a psychological thriller. It's not the the typical revenge thriller that the trailer is cut to make it as such. And so once I settled into the psychological terror element of it, then that's when the movie started really working um, for me. But I I mean, like, again, it was, it was one of those things like going in, like you had one frame of mind going in and then it shifts that completely. Um, And Alfred Molina is really good in it too. Um, His scene scene is fascinating. You know, I was just going to mention that, I think the script was so good because you have so many great actors in it and Mm -hmm. all the parts are not that big except for Carrie Mulligan's, you know, it's very much, it's very much an ensemble piece. Yeah. And I was looking at the credits that, you know, Margot Robbie is one of the producers too. So -hmm. she's kind of making a name for herself as a producer. Good for her. Yeah. And the score for the movie is fantastic. Um, There's a fantastic score. Like there's obviously like music cues in there, but like the score when she's in the, on the highway, and she breaks that guy's headlights and um, rear taillights. And the camera pulls back on her in the middle of the highway. Like, it was, like, I don't want to overuse this phrase because of, because of, like, the films that I've studied with it. But it felt really Hitchcockian. Like, it's kind of turning in, turning that Hitchcock a female character on its head and making it very much the their own protagonist version of that kind of story, like that very twisted story. Um, and the imagery is so specific. Like I, I was blown away by the color and the, the cinematography of this film and the way that everything is positioned as such. Um, and it's not a very violent movie for a movie that's that was marketed into that vein. Like it's, it's very, very, um, the violence is most of the violence is off screen apart from obviously the, the near the end of the movie. 
Um, I was expecting something like American Psycho. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. But but when she was, you know, caught on fire, I kept on thinking in uh, <laughs> from Mallrats, she's fucking dead. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think for the story, she had to die because she just she lost was all hope. Yeah. Yeah, she lost all hope. And she got her final revenge. She fucked over every single person that fucked over her friend. And then, I mean, she had to die for it to happen. But then they finally, everybody finally took her seriously. Because even when she was dead, you know, that's when her, even her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, when he said, yeah, she was talking about killing herself. And, you know, it's just like, fuck, man. He just turned into the biggest fucking dick ever. It was it's it's good casting on Fennel's part to have Bo Burnham play that part, um, yeah. Because it's the last it's the last twist you'd expect, um, which I had forgotten after I walked out of the movie. I'm like, Bo Burnham directed Eighth Grade. That's right. <laughs> it's just like thinking about how Bo Burnham's been slowly creeping into into different aspects of pop culture that I've been consuming one moment at a time. Um, but yeah, yep. yeah. It's it's very. Um, I I don't know if Fennel's done any other work, but if she has, I'd like to see it. Um, yeah. Uh, next week on Real Nerds, uh, I was hoping we could do News of the World. I anybody... was, that's what I figured we were. Because the would... only other thing is uh, Liam Neeson has a new movie coming out, but I'd rather see the Tom Hanks Western. Yeah, no. Uh, Liam Neeson lost my trust. He has to <laughs> earn it back. <laughs> Make another Lego movie or something. I don't fucking know. But on it, God damn it, honest Steve. Ah, I'm just gonna listen to that episode again and just <laughs> embrace the hate. Um, uh, yeah, no news of the world. Tom Hanks in a western. I dig it. Has cool. he ever done a western before? I don't think so. Ooh, new territory. Hey, un- uncharted territory in the old west. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What do we want Thanks to do? What do we want to do after that? I'm curious. I don't want to. I think. I think the week after that's one night in Miami. Oh, ooh, I'm down. All right, sweet, cool. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.